0: You're listening to Integrating Sacred Wisdom Podcast.
1: I call on the Guardian of the East, Raphael, Element of Air. Come and be welcomed.
2: Call upon the Guardian of the South, Michael, Element of Fire. Come and be welcomed.
0: I call on the Guardian of the West, Gabriel, Element of Water. Come and be welcomed. I call on the guardian of the
3: north, Uriel, element of earth, come and be welcome. And we are your hosts, I'm Kelly Hauk, founder of Sacred Arts Sanctuary in
0: West Sedona, and also Heart Space Retreats. And I am Priscilla Hadway, founder of Sacred Remembering Sound Healing in Sedona, Arizona, and ascensionprovisions.com.
2: I'm Matthew David Cummings with Above So Curio and Purify by Fire.
1: And I'm Anna Marstanovich with Heart Space Retreats in Sedona and also High Desert Healing Massage and Bodywork. And today we will be discussing shadow work. What is shadow work in analytical psychology? The shadow is an unconscious aspect of the personality that does not correspond with the ego ideal, leading the ego to resist and project the shadow. In short, the shadow is the self's emotional blind spot projected. The concept was originally coined by Swiss psychiatrist and psychoanalyst Carl Jung, who said, everyone carries a shadow, and the less that it is embodied in the individual's conscious life, the blacker and denser it is. So that's the definition of shadow. The shadow is the dark and emotional aspect of your psyche. But today we're going to be talking about shadow work. So what is shadow work and how do we do the work?
3: I started doing shadow work a long time ago, probably around the age of 17 or 18, and I've been practicing it since then. And I find that it's kind of the key to most spiritual practices is focusing in on your shadow. It's all of the parts of yourself that need the love and nurture that you've kind of just been holding off or just overlooking or just don't know how to heal. And bringing that in to give it what it needs to be able to heal.
2: So how do you know what you need to heal if it's something that you aren't recognizing within yourself does someone else tell you that you something you need to work on your shadow or do we decide that for ourselves
3: well a lot of times you can usually find this with any type of triggers that come up or anything else um, that could potentially just upset you a lot of times when those things happen if it's something that's a little bit more logical or just seems out of nowhere that you got upset about something, that's usually a shadow part of yourself coming up. And so usually whenever that happens, I'll start doing some reflection at the end of the night and just kind of see, well, why did that really bother me like that? What was it about that that really kind of stuck with me to a point where I had an emotional reaction to it? And it's not always just, you know, someone flipped me off and Traffic and I got upset or anything. Although it could be, depending on your level of upset, but it's more so just random subconscious things coming up that really is affecting you emotionally.
0: Yeah, like for me, I notice patterns in my life, like dynamics that keep repeating over and over, you know, and say, okay, why does this keep happening? Let me take a look at this. What can I see? What can I glean from that? There's that idea like, you know, your outside world is a reflection of your inside world. If we go off the concept that all is one, right, that we're all taking part and, and micro-reflections of the, the greater whole, then what am I seeing, you know, out there that I can find that reflection within myself and what can I change within myself to help change
2: what's out there in the world. And so so is it is it something that you find resistance against or an ideal action or reaction that you find displeasurable or you disagree with it or I don't know I'm I'm envisioning like Delving deeper inside yourself to try to understand why you feel such a strong emotional reaction to potentially like a group that you don't like. So if we're trying to understand, you know, different hate crimes or hate groups or, or uh, I don't know, something along those lines, something that you have, you know, a deep emotional reaction to that's outside of yourself. Um, and a lot of people don't know why that's happening to them. Is that something that's learned, or, or is that part of a shadow aspect that you need to find within yourself?
0: I guess a lot of times what comes up for me is usually people around me that are frustrating me. That's usually the first place I can start, right? Whether it's a a family member, or you know, a, a co-worker, or a friend, or something like that. Like, if something that they're doing is is just really bothering me, sometimes, you know, a lot of a lot of belief systems will tell you like pain comes from feeling separate from everything else, from other people, right? We we cause that pain when we separate ourselves from those things, and so when I'm talking about looking at the world around you and seeing how it's a reflection of you it's the same thing like oh my partner's continually doing this they have this reactionist behavior it drives me crazy you know what is it is it driving me crazy because there's also some somewhere that I am and having this behavior, and I'm not acknowledging it. And for me, that comes true. A lot of the times, you know, things that someone's doing, that's bothering me, the way they handle something or react to something, a lot of times I can go back and say, Oh, yeah, I see that I do this sometimes too. And now I'm seeing how that makes other people feel when I default into that behavior, or um, that thought process. And then instead of focusing so much on what they're doing and trying to say they should change and do all that, I can change it in myself and and become more accepting that way. And so that's, I mean, that's a small, that's not the super deep stuff. That's like when you're first starting out working on the surface of things, those are little things that you can start diving into uh, shadow work, you know, with some of those smaller things, with bigger things, you know, again, like Kelly said, it's all about how big is the trigger, right? How big is your reaction as far as you having to go into it?
3: Yeah. And I think a lot of times for me, um, when I very first started this, I would look at like specifically like bad days for me. And if I was having a bad day, what was it that triggered that bad day that unfolded a series of events that just made it an even worse day to where I was stuck in that? And what was that emotion behind that? throughout the day that was kind of like a reoccurring theme because for me usually like a bad day was like a reoccurring theme and sometimes it was just external and that happens other times it was just someone just said something to me that hit me wrong and it just affected the rest of my day and so a lot of times reflecting on that especially like I tend to be very sensitive to how people talk to me and like the tone of their voice and the words that they use and things like that I tend to internalize it and overanalyze what they're saying. Like, oh, well, they said this. Do they secretly hate me? Or like, are they picking on me? What's going on with that? And so a lot of times in the early stages of doing shadow work, I would then reflect on that. Well, what is it about feeling like they hate me that makes me upset? Why would I care if someone hates me or not? Is it because I feel like my value is determined by how someone treats me? And things like that. And I would then reflect on it. And then from there, I would be like, well, when was the first time I ever experienced this emotion? And I'm going to meditation and look at that. And a lot of times it's just coming from childhood. Usually it's, you know, before your brain's fully developed. So you just pick up things a little bit differently. And it kind of stores in your subconscious so in a way that pulls up these events that cause like emotional reactions to it and I have found that going back into these emotions and doing some inner child healing with the shadow work helps me just start to balance that and process it and kind of nurture that part of myself.
2: So shadow work I mean when when you someone who doesn't know what it is when they hear shadow work they you know they might think oh you know shadow work it's big and scary and that's dark and super negative things, you know, why would I want to do shadow work? I mean, obviously, like, I, I went straight to, like, the big things, you know, like, <laughs> eight groups and things, but it's not, it's, it's, you know, it's the smaller interactions and things that you can take to that level first. I, I mean, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's just the stuff that you shy away from because you don't like it. That's all shadow is, right? It doesn't have to be all of the big, deep stuff, you know, like codependency and like really life altering patterns. It can be just the simple things like, oh my gosh, you know, I hate how it sounds when I do that one stupid laugh. (laughs) Like, why does that bother me? Or, you know, the way having feelings about the way your appearance or you know, it, it can start there, but a lot of times it does, like Kelly said, the the trick is is to keep backtracking and seeing where where this feeling may have originated. And so some people find it in their current lives. Some people find it in some kind of dream state, which could be, you know, a past life or or some kind of other level of existence, you know, that they've experienced it and some story that comes forward for them to help them better understand you know, the circumstances that brought that in. But it's really just taking time to get comfortable with the things that make you uncomfortable.
2: So it it, it does have something to do with fear. I mean, our, our initial reaction to something that we don't like would be avoidance. Mm-hmm, right. You know, so it, it doesn't necessarily have to be something bad or that you dislike maybe it's just something you naturally avoid that you don't Mm -hmm. you know that you need to integrate or you need to figure out why you avoid it I mean, avoidance is is fear and we can expel fear with knowledge
0: yeah fear and judgment you know those are the two things that you're trying to to stop you know where we project our fear and our judgments outside of ourselves and 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 we reflect, you know, that's why we see that the outer world is a reflection of ourselves, because it's easier for us to see it in other things. And that's harder to take that time to reflect back and say, well, where is this in me? You know, what, what is, what are some of the things that I could work on? What are the things that I could do better? What are the things I avoid about myself? And the point of doing it, you know, is that we are both shadow and light. It's, it's about feeling wholeness about yourself right. an acceptance of your whole self, the you know self-acceptance of everything that there is about you. And so um, making something shadow is a choice. That's all it is, is a choice. It's a choice to put it on that side.
3: Well, and you can also take shadow work into, like, how you are being perceived by other people as well. So a lot of it's just self-reflection and, like, looking at, okay, Um, I know one of the things that I had to do with some of my shadow work was people would always tell me that I remind them of my aunt, who is like overly bossy, I won't mention her name in case she listens, (laughs) who's overly bossy, overly controlling, overly just trying to do everything for everybody. And I always hated that they told me that I was like her. And so because I never found myself to be that way. Until I started kind of reflecting on that and being like, well what is it that I do that comes off this way to my family um, And how how do I work on that? And so I know for me, it was a lot of like trying to get our family to, like, engage together and like do family time together and stuff. And I was coming off very aggressive with that. I really was just more so wanting to have our family have like a very specific connection and like have that time together and things like that. Where I did kind of just come off as like, we're going to do this and you're going to sit here, we're going to look at family photos. And you know, so even sometimes that part of yourself can still be a shadow part of yourself. And like, You just have to find where that root cause is coming from. And for me, it was really just feeling like needing a sense of family.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure part of that shadow aspect was uh, delving into why does it bother you when you get compared to your aunt? Not just what is it about yourself that makes your family compare you to your aunt, but why why do you care? Why does that bother you? Why does that trigger you? It's true. Yeah, that's, that's very true, and that can just take you deeper and deeper until you full
3: rabbit hole,
1: <laughs> full rabbit hole. Yeah, what you reach, full integration, maybe.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah. I think we're naturally not very good at uh, critiquing ourselves or seeing ourselves uh, as others see us. So that's why, you know lots of people have identity crises when they're told, you know, Oh, you're so much like your father or you're so much like your mother. And, you know, for many people, that's the last thing they want to (laughs) hear, you know, (laughs) you have to come to terms that you're not in control, uh, of, of those aspects that, that genetic bond is, is greater than your, your individuality. And, uh, that's that's hard to come to terms with that for for anybody, I think,
1: yeah. so we touched on something important um a little while back about why would we want to do this work? It's heavy, can be a little dark, sometimes a little negative. But why is shadow work important? What are the benefits? and what happens when we ignore or avoid or oppress the shadow? So essentially, shadow work is healing right? And Priscilla touched on that earlier about wholeness. You know, it's all about the duality of the dark and the light and integrating what you need from both to become whole. So if we ignore or repress or avoid the shadow, we could end up self-loathing, self-sabotage, repeating those negative patterns or cycles that we find ourselves in, um, and have unhealthy relationships, self-sabotaging relationships, um, and all those negative aspects that we dislike in others, we could end up presenting
3: ourselves. Well, and if you really think about it too, um, how many times do we, or just people in general, repeat certain relationships in like their love lives? So it's like, you know, you go from one abusive relationship and then you move into another one and you think everything's great and then all of a sudden you're back into another abusive relationship and you don't know how that even, like... Got to that point, I think the problem is always them. (laughs) Yeah, some people. (laughs) And it's not to put blame on them that, okay, well, it's your fault that you keep going in a relationship with it. But a lot of times it's your shadow kind of attracting that in, where you're kind of attracted into people that are going to give you a similar experience again, until you heal that part of yourself because of the fact that it's just going to attract it, attract that experience. Right. It needs your attention, so... It, exactly. It needs your attention in order to be
1: healed. I mean, unless you really enjoy those negative patterns and experiences, in which case you would continue to repeat them. Oh, well, I, some people like it. Some people like it. Sure. Some people like <laughs> No, judgment. they <laughs> Be in the chaos. Yeah. Chaos can be fun. They find it passion. <laughs> yeah. but true.
2: That reminds me of, of something I just read last night, actually, and I saved it just because we knew we were... Uh, we knew... I knew that we were going to be doing this podcast, and it was, uh, if you'll bear with me, the phrase, ask and you shall be given, so that rel- relates to esoteric knowledge, um, like uh, truth and assistance and, and you know, hidden secrets that will help the seeker on the path that he's committed to, um, and it's, if he's sincere in asking for this prayer or aspiration Without demands or expectations for a particular outcome, um, you know. So it's not a not a thing, not job, money, or relationship based, um, or the wounded egos craving. Um, so like socially conditioned desires. Uh, so so this attraction. Um, So then it gets into your your soul lessons and your karmic lessons and so even though you're asking for something you're only going to receive um you know the or you're asking to receive positive you know spiritual experiences and positive guidance and like the right teacher or assistance and appearing to you at the right time but that's not always the case. Sometimes when we're asking for something, it comes in the form of a challenge. And uh, that has a lot to do with your your karmic obligations and, and the things that spirit's trying to get you to acknowledge uh, within yourself. And that, that may be the shadow aspect that you have to heal before you can even attract that sort of uh, intention or uh, that part of your life that you're that you're asking for. So sometimes you can ask for something good and get something negative, um, but if that's reoccurring, then that's something that spirit's trying to tell you, you need to heal first. So that's where your shadow work comes in.
3: Well, I think it's very much just um, part of the whole loving Mm -hmm. your light and your darkness, loving that part of yourself that you feel is unlovable because when we tell ourselves that there's parts of us that are not okay, we are not in our wholeness and we are kind of energetically fragmenting ourselves because we're not accepting that part of ourselves. And so a lot of times if you reject that part of yourself, it's just going to keep remanifesting over and over again until you finally accept that that is you too and understanding that it's okay. It's okay to have a darker part of yourself because once you understand your darkness, you can transfer it into light. And what I mean by that is just taking it, loving it, nurturing it, and eventually it's going to shift and evolve into a different energy because that's all it needed was that love and attention too, because it's just been neglected. And that's kind of why they call it shadow work because it's kind of like everything you've shoved into your closet that you just refuse to look at that you didn't want to see and stuff and it's just full of gunk
0: spider webs yeah stuff you just don't want to take the time to do too i mean sometimes like you said sometimes it's not you know super deep trauma it can just be Mm -hmm. simple things and you know when we're on the path of, of spirituality of ascension you know that's a big part of that growth is knowing who you really are you know in uh, ancient greece on the temple of apollo they had the oracle of delphi right and her her mantra that was etched you know in the arch at that temple in her space was all a, know thyself that was her one thing she would say know thyself that's how she helped people helping them to know themselves mm-hmm. and you know that That is, we talk a lot even about in the secular world, you know, about if you don't love yourself, how can you expect anyone else to, you know, and, and, you know, there's, there's so much of that, but, but really, yeah, knowing yourself is, should be the greatest love of your life and And, loving yourself.
1: And self-compassion and love is very important, especially when dealing with shadow work, because a lot of the times. Our shadows are created in childhood and adolescence in times where we felt shame and unloved and continuing to view ourselves with shame and view ourselves as unlovable uh, or to view our shadow aspects as as shameful and unlovable is just going to drive that trauma further, deeper down. It's not going to do us any good. So, So self-compassion is very, very important in this work.
0: Yeah. And we create belief systems based on fear and trauma. You know, we create the ideas of our perceptions of the world. Identity. Yep. Our identity, all of that. And so some of it, you know, is just questioning, being able to question all of that and feel safe in questioning. You know, I have this idea. That's what I used to do when I when I first started doing spiritual work. I did a lot of things on my own, you know, because I didn't have a big spiritual community where I was living in the Midwest. And so just stopping and saying, okay, here's this idea I have about myself, or I have about the world, or I have about somebody else, you know, or I have about, you know, my ideas about love, money, like even that kind of stuff. And just kind of figure, you know, journaling, jotting a few things down, whatever, what, what is it? What's coming out about this idea? And then asking, but is that really true? All right. And is that really true? Is that really true? And just kind of going down. Follow it. Yeah. Follow it down. Follow the, follow the logic and say, well, okay, well, if this isn't true, what is true?
1: Yeah. You know? And, and oftentimes, if you follow it far enough, it's it's childhood. Yeah. It's something we had no or, control or, or programming. Yeah. You know, a lot
0: of that kind of stuff, too. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: The stories that we tell ourselves or mm-hmm. are told to us that we identify with and create our world. And, and make us feel safe. Yeah.
3: yeah which we can edit or rewrite at any time. Yeah. And that's kind of why I had a lot of issues when I was very first starting a lot of my spiritual, like, trainings and things like that is I very much got caught up in a lot of groups that were just really super into the, like, you know, only positive vibes people. And it was a lot of, like, toxic positivity. And where is there going to be growth and development in spirituality if you refuse to recognize the parts of yourself and that maybe needs that, that needs to be a little negative and honoring that part of yourself and understanding it. Now, should you like go and do a bunch of bad things because you have something, you know, negative about yourself? No, but it's about honoring that part of yourself. And so if you're just kind of suffocating it, and being like, oh, we're only going to think positive thoughts. Oh, we're only going to say positive things. And, you know, that doesn't honor the spirit. Yes, you shouldn't be going around kind of like verbally vomiting on everybody over all of your trauma or like trauma dumping with people or anything like that. Or um, just being overly negative all the time. And then I think, yeah, you should probably look at your thought patterns and how you react to things. Um the way you talk about things but it's perfectly okay to recognize your own darkness recognize your own pain recognize who you are and the wounded part of yourself because there's very much that part of the medicine with that that's the path of the wounded healer and so there is still medicine in trauma yeah yeah so let's talk
1: a little bit about how to do the work i know we already have. um, I feel like Kelly pretty much said it early in the podcast about following it down to, you know, childhood triggers or whatever. So triggers is a big one. We already talked about that recognizing our triggers, um, spotting patterns in our life and our relationships. And uh, you can do this either with a therapist or just by yourself. uh, And you can start by journaling these experiences journaling these um, triggers. Anytime you have a negative thought process or experience when you're interacting with a person, or you can meditate on it, um, you can have journal prompts where you can ask questions like what traits do you dislike in others and why? And follow that, what is it about them? Are you projecting something? Um, Projection is a big one. Projection can also lead you to your shadow aspects That's also a kind of a dead giveaway. Am I projecting? What is projection? Um, Some other questions you can ask are what memories are you ashamed of? Um, That can also help you with inner child healing as well. And also, what makes you feel self conscious and what makes you feel valued? Those are just some ways to practice shadow work by yourself,
3: or like I said, in therapy is a good place to start as well. Yeah, I always did mine in a form of meditation. And um, me and Priscilla have on our website, some meditations that you guys could access if you wanted to practice with that form on your own private practice. Um, That's primarily been my way of practicing shadow work is through that type of like self hypnosis meditations.
0: Yeah. And and the way, you know, that I've, I work with other people and helping them is the same way I learned how to do it for myself is going into that meditative state and kind of, you know, how it fell into my lap was through hearing the term soul retrieval. You know, i had never heard that before. I heard it on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) The, the grand oracle of YouTube. (laughs) And, um, And so I was like, oh, what's this like two minute clip? And then I just went into deep meditation and spent a lot of time figuring out how to travel to these places, you know, and and what I would do is, you know, for me, it was it started off that process with the termination of a pregnancy that I did, you know, in my 20s. And I went back and for me, it was reliving some of the circumstances around that like almost coming in as a as a watching from above and seeing you know the rooms and and the and watching the path through that whole process and and it was something that was important for me to do in that way because I had um, felt like I was supposed to feel a certain way about that experience but I kind of didn't feel mm-hmm. as bad as I thought, you know. Especially the way I was raised, like I should have felt. It just really felt like this beautiful, loving, like right thing to do for so many reasons. So I was, there was any trauma around it. Let me put that out there, you know. It was, a, it was a kind of a unique situation, I guess. But, um, and so I walked myself through all of that, and by doing that, I was able to remember, and by remembering, I was like, oh, this isn't as scary as i thought it was like once i finally got there and when i work with clients it's not so much going back into specific memories but it's it's retrieving you know meeting okay you're having this feeling wh- let's ask the part of you to come forward that feels or thinks this way and usually it's some version of of them at some age or some point in their life where they have some small scene you know it's always what's loving and what's um, manageable is always what comes through, you know, so you don't have to be afraid. It's a very protective experience for everybody that I've worked with. And then you get to talk to them, you know, and say, hey, what is it that you need? You know, I got to sit with myself in the clinic and be like, wow, look at where we are. This is crazy. (laughs) You know, we never thought we would have this experience. Like, you know, I see you. I see how you're feeling. I understand, you know, the confusion and the pain and the regret and, and and all of those things and the questioning and and all of that. But look where we are now. And that's where the healing comes in is saying, all of this stuff, I see you, that, that part of you that feels traumatized also feels super alone and unseen. And that's usually why they feel that trauma. And so being able to be there for them the way that you needed someone to be there for you in that moment in your life. and and having that simple conversation like you know I see you I love you what is it that you need and and then inviting them to reintegrate into your soul your energy however you see that so that they aren't off in this time stuck in this time time and place you know that they can walk forward in life with you now as a part of you and now I'm proud to carry that part of me you know, around. I feel, you know, I don't feel any shame. Obviously, I talk very openly about it and stuff, even when people go, oh, the second you say it. And, and I'm I'm really proud of the, who I was in that moment. And I'm proud of the choices I made and why I made them. And, and I'm proud of where my life is now, for sure. So I think um, a lot of times, you know, that's something I always want to share with people. Sometimes it's not as bad as you think you've been avoiding it and making it into so much that when you really look at it, when you take that fear away, that you probably have something much different in front of you after that.
2: I find that's a very common theme uh, with um, people who help others or you know, people who are brought here to heal others or to help others heal. Um, that they're confronted with difficult situations that uh, you know m- maybe our culture sees as taboo, and um, you know if you actually speak to someone who's actually gone through those experiences and and have had a greater understanding for it, uh, they become the ones that we should actually listen to and that they'll find you'll find that that, uh, conversation is not as taboo as, uh, everybody makes it out to be and that we all have trouble discussing with each other, um, that there's actually a beauty and, and, and eloquence there that, um, I think we so easily disregard. Uh, because we're afraid to listen. And so I thank you for sharing that
0: absolutely. yeah, it's it's about we're here to live life. We're going to have, you know, there are so many common experiences that we all have. There's lots of common traumas that we all share. And while you know you don't want to bond with people over your common traumas, I think that's an easy our our brains, our human minds, right are are literally programmed. In order to survive, to focus on the negative. And I think that's why a lot of people do make connections through their shadow, you know, with friends, especially with partners, when you're on a, on, you know, in the beginning of dating and stuff, that's a lot of the stuff, well, tell me about your family, you know, tell me about what you went through in your childhood, tell me about your past dating experience. Those are all landmines, right, (laughs) of stuff, and we usually will share oh, I went through this, you know, and here I am like, oh, I totally understand, you know, we connect through, oh, I went through something similar, I understand. And, um, you know, so that's another opportunity to kind of feel that you're not alone. Because again, the pain, the overall pain in life is, is a creation, you know, of us separating ourselves from everything else around us and other people feeling separate from other people sucks
3: and i think for me um a lot of my shadow work um kind of the same thing where i heard first about soul retrieval and i was curious about that but i know for someone that basically decided to incarnate here and pay back all of their karmic debt very young <laughs> so i you know i just went through a whole roller coaster of experiences as a child and it caused a lot of PTSD. It caused anxiety um, to the point where I would just black out. Um, I would get a lot of panic attacks and would feel like I'm having a heart attack and I couldn't breathe or anything like that and just had pretty severe depression. And it got to the point where I was tired of it. And I was tired of constantly feeling that way. And it was like I could either turn to substance abuse if I wanted to. And I did for a while. I mean, I smoked a lot of pot. I hardly remember my 20s, but um, I could have turned to that. I could have turned to so many different directions with it, but I decided to take the spiritual route with it and I invested that time into myself. And a lot of my inner child healing, I had to confront my abuser. And there was so much pent up anger towards this person from just the experiences I had with this person since being a child, that my inner child was just pissed and just furious over everything. And... I had to go in and for the longest time, it was like, I could never forgive this person. And in my mind, I was like, there's no way I could ever forgive this person for what they've done. And because this was a whole lifetime for me of just unnecessary abuse to an extreme level. And so to go in and look at it, I had to go into meditation and bring myself to the moment that my inner child did a soul fragment from me and turned into its own self-aware being and basically had to start healing that part of her. And I had to look at it in all perspectives. I had to watch it in third person because at the time it was way too overwhelming just to relive any of that. So I had to almost watch it like as if it was a movie on a screen. And then I had to go into the perspective of my abuser and the pain that that person went through to become that person. And when I saw that, I saw this person as a little child going through the same exact thing. And I felt all of his pain and all of the darkness and the loneliness that he had experienced as a child. And it was overwhelming. And at that point, my inner child felt this love and compassion for what he had experienced because he was kind of the person that just got stuck in that shadow and never evolved out of it. And that was the direction he chose. It doesn't excuse what he did or why he is the person he is now, but at least I can have compassion and understanding for how he got there and that level of compassion and understanding helped me forgive him which i never thought i would ever do in a million years i mean you ask teenage me and she'd be like no absolutely not never and um it was very powerful and when i started doing those reflections and understanding and understanding the situation i began to start feeling those fragments start returning back to my energy body and that sense of wholeness started like coming back and that energy started resolving itself and i was coming to peace with it and so for me it was a very powerful thing that it started calming down a lot of the anxiety problems i had it started calming down the ptsd it started calming down all of that and allowing my brain to actually process and calm down and not be in that fight or flight mode that took years to unwind um So for me, that was kind of more my process with it. But mine was a lot more deeper and heavier and very emotionally charged. And I know a lot of people when they hear shadow work and they say, "Oh, well, I have to go into my past. You know, sometimes they have pasts like what I have been through. And I understand it. You don't want to go there. You don't want to relive these moments. Like you, it's better to just forget about it. But if you want a sense of completion with it, and I say that confidently now because I do feel like I got to a point of sense of completion where I no longer have any of these things. I might notice some things here and there that come up, but it's no longer affecting my daily life. It's no longer a part of my life. It's just one every so often just comes up. But, um, You kind of have to go in there, and there's gentle ways to do it. I just dived right in, but um, you kind of need to confront that part of yourself and heal it, and it's important.
0: You have to honor that. And one of the important things you you said, too, was about the energy. It takes so much energy to stay fragmented. You know, Mm -hmm. you are sending so much energy to those traumatized separate pieces of yourself you know that are out in time and space and um so being able to to find that healing to integrate that part of you then that energy is once again within you and you are therefore have more power are empowered you know which is what we're all the cultural you know uh, everyone is talking about, you know, empowerment of this and empowerment of these people and these people, you know, we're all working toward empowerment as humans. And um, so it really is important. Because then you can, like you said, focus on your life now, now that you're not working so hard to avoid everything that was that had happened before
3: oh and the amount of time and energy it takes just to be traumatized Yeah, because I mean how much of that affects your life I never was comfortable in group settings I was never comfortable like talking to people one-on-one for a really long time it was very rare I ever bonded with anyone let alone like people older than me just for that reason and I was constantly triggered by being overly sensitive to how people talked to me, how people reacted around me. So there was so much energy into just always feeling out of balance and overly sensitive and hyper aware of your surroundings. And it was exhausting. And so exhausting to the point where you just don't sleep. Because your fight or flight mode is so active all the time, your brain can never shut off.
1: And that's interesting that we think we're just ignoring it and forgetting about it and not paying it any energy or attention, but that actually does sound exhausting.
3: Yeah. 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 Did you feel a sense of relief? Immediately finished it. Yeah. Or immediately after the meditation. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was instant. Mm -hmm. You can literally feel the fragments of your energy returning back to your body. Well, and it's almost like a. I mean, it depends on how sensitive you are, but for me, yeah, it was very overwhelming. Yeah. So, well.
0: And, you know, sometimes too, it's we have these, you know, they, uh, these crisis moments in our lives, right? That, that bring about the questioning of the world around us, right? So it may not just be, who am I, but it could be, you know, what is the truth in general, right? So having going through something like losing a job, losing a relationship, like something we say, oh, I didn't see it coming, you know, and then you think, well, if I didn't see it coming, like, what is actually going on? What's who, you know, how do I identify myself now that I don't have this job, or I don't have this partnership, or, you know, and, and going through that, is what they call the dark night of the soul, mm-hmm. right? right? That moment where your reality has shifted and you're questioning what what is, like what is real about this world? What is real about myself?
2: Ooh, I get that. I, I mean, I identify a lot with that, with leaving organized religion or, yeah, just any any religious dogma. Um that you've been conditioned to, either by choice or growing up, um, and that disillusionment, uh, either by, you know, finding truth from listening to someone else or or just finding the the things that don't make sense to you personally uh, and seeking, guidance somewhere else. I, I I mean, I think that's a core human trait that we all try to, uh, you know, emulate in some form or fashion. You know, we try to label ourselves as, as this or that, or, um, believing in one way or another. And then we categorize others and, and their belief systems as well. And, um, to question your own beliefs is incredibly difficult, uh, especially when you're deeply ingrained inside of all aspects of your life. Um, so, a big tool for me was uh, studying hermeticism and uh, alchemy, and just learning that uh, that all things are in a state of duality, and that everything in this universe, without exception, has its opposite counterpart, uh, whether it be light or dark. Uh, And so, taking that aspect, and I have a very analytical mind, so I tend to do an exercise where I would find whatever it was, an ideal or uh, a situation or even, you know, physical things and uh, ponder or meditate on what the existence of its um, opposite counterpart would be. And if you do that enough, uh, it will very quickly change your perspective on every aspect of, of life and navigating all of humanity. <laughs> I mean, it, so, you know, you have to take it to the strange extremes. Like if they're, if you're seeking, you know, a higher power, um, and you believe that this higher power is all, all knowing, all loving and all accepting then you know that has to have some sort of counter aspect um and just knowing that that's an an absolute um an absolute truth um in in all cases is something that can take time to wrap your head around <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of any other good examples right now. I'm sure that's not the best one, but I know that's an odd shadow, shadow work um, exercise, but it's been very uh, expansive for me personally. It's awesome.
3: Now what about you, Anna? Did you have any shadow work experiences with yourself? Um, yeah, I experienced what Priscilla mentioned earlier,
1: the dark night of the soul, where your identity, sense of identity, sense of self, um, your experience with reality kind of shifts. And I experienced a lot of, um, depression and anxiety, you know, physical symptoms. And I was like, why am I in such a funk? You know, it kind of started, started small and then snowballed into this big crisis is what it felt like and um we reached a point where I I recognized that I could no longer just keep pushing things into that
3: closet with all the
1: dust bunnies and the spider webs that I had to look into why I felt um why I felt these things why I was experiencing a dark night of the soul in the first place and it it came back to some, self-worth issues that I was experiencing with, um, with regards to my work, actually. So that's kind of my biggest shadow work to date, but I feel like I've been doing it all my life. As a really anxious kid, I feel like I've always been doing some kind of shadow work and um, it all kind of revolves around the sense of feeling unsafe. And uh, I've had to unpack a lot of that from childhood because I, I grew up in a war zone and I did see some things that made me feel really unsafe as a child. And I thought, oh, I don't have any trauma. I don't have any trauma. You know, I didn't really see anything too bad, but I think what I was doing is just protecting myself by hiding that stuff in the shadow. And then that came out later in life with anxiety anxiety. You know, when you when you have anxiety, you feel really unsafe. You feel like you're going to have a heart attack. You know, you feel like the world is caving in on you. And I was able to tie that back to my childhood. So, I mean, that's been my primary experience with shadow work.
3: Yeah, I always found it interesting that you've been telling me lately that it kind of revolves around your work when, like, literally everybody brags about you every time. They come into service with you. So to me, I'm like, what? And and that's the interesting thing about, about these stories that we
1: tell ourselves. You can have, you know, all evidence to the contrary of what you, this negative thing that you believe about yourself, but you still believe it for some reason. And you have to trace back, why is that reason? Did somebody tell me I was unworthy as a child and that stuck in my psyche? And now I believe it regardless of what, you know, how great everyone else tells me I am around me. So that's why shadow work is so important because we we have to unpack these lies, these stories that we tell ourselves. And is this the truth? Is this really the truth that I want to be living? Do I really want to think that I'm not worthy, that I'm not competent, that I suck at what I do? Or do I want to really feel the truth? Do I really want to know the truth? Mm-hmm. So that's interesting that you that you mentioned that. <laughs> that had been coming up a lot lately. <laughs> Just stepping into your power.
0: Yeah. Well, and with spiritual work, what we do is so subjective, right? Like my programming growing up was, I, you know, I was born in 1981, right? So when I, up till my mid-20s, when the economic crash happened, like everything was, you go to school, you go to college, you get a four-year degree, you get a job, you make this much, you buy a house, like there was you know, a set routine and that you're in the, you know, my family, who's very loving and accepting, but the idea that I took from whatever my environment and my raising and, you know, was, is that you work hard. You know, you have these pieces of paper that tell you that you do a good, that you are qualified to have this job. Once you get this job, you have these evaluations that tell you, yes, you're good at your job. You know, you get like there's a structure yeah. to knowing where you are. You're constantly getting feedback from the team or you can you have measurable things. I can say, oh, my num- my sales numbers went up or my revenues went up or, I, you know, like it's so much easier to get that validation and coming into spiritual work. All of that was, all that comfort was totally stripped from me. (laughs) I've all, you know, I I, you start off in the beginning, okay, I've got to have all these certificates. And this will show people that I'm, I'm legit, you know, is all these certificates. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like all these certificates. And then, you know, or I have, like, for me, my big thing is I was always searching for, like a a master teacher type of thing, right? Like, oh, if I find this one ideology, and if I can just ride that into the sunset, you know, then that will make me me feel more valid. That will also show other people. You know, it started off as what I worried about other people thought, and then it's what do I think? And and I really had because I had that idea. I have never ever, like I said, what is soul retrieval? The majority of what I do with my clients now started learning that on YouTube, you know, (laughs) I wasn't. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It felt
3: you weren't good enough
0: to be teaching it when ultimately all you did was learn it on YouTube and it was all through self-practice. It was all through self-practice and and self-learning. And I mean, I read so many books. I listened to so many talks, you know, so many podcasts, so many um, people I would find, masters I would find and get tidbits from, but I never had like a, a ton of formal training which is what my you know background being you know having a master's degree in business and being pre-law and like all this stuff like that was like all that world was was proof and paper you know it's mm-hmm. so
2: and then you move to Sedona and you realize nobody yeah. has pieces of paper yeah. and the most successful people <laughs> um, just talk talk the game and live yeah. the game and exactly. yeah there,
0: there's no more and then, then you have, well, words. Well, and you come to Sedona, and then you have everyone talk about, oh, you know, over there they're all full of shit. You know, <laughs> so then the paranoia goes. <laughs> and i am I full of shit? I don't want to be full of shit. You know, like, but I don't know. And every and thankfully, every time I question, or every time I think, think like, oh my god, that was. The worst, whatever it was, you know, massage, sound, healing, like hypnosession, like whatever it was. Every time I think that they come, the client comes out saying, oh, my God, It was like
3: the best. So it's not me. But I
0: think every (laughs) time. And there's a fine line between humility and Mm -hmm. checking in. Yeah. And having low self worth. Like, right. I don't think I have low self worth, but that voice that I, up. Oh, I check in all the time, you know? And I think that's what keeps us genuine. I think mm-hmm. that's what keeps us and everyone, you know, I'll have people, oh, you're so great. You're, you know, clients, oh, but, 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 And I'm like, you know, I'm just a gal trying to figure it out just like you. And <laughs> that's what I tell people. Well, I may be a few steps in this direction, you know? And you're a few steps in this direction, but in the end, I'm just a gal trying to figure it out.
2: I think that's, that's something that constantly surprises me, no matter how many times it happens, is that being in the spiritual field, you will attract the people that you're meant to. Yeah, And that, you know, you you find yourself when you're in that sort of service to, uh, uh, you know, something greater beyond yourself that you don't get the clients that are are going to have a bad time with you or are going to, you know, be disagreeable or, or not receive something um, that they need or, you know, maybe they don't know that they need it. And they receive it, and they it wasn't what they were expecting, sure, you know we we all get those, but yeah. uh, I think overall um, the the universe sends you people that you can be of service to. and uh, I find that all over with all different types of modalities and and services, especially here,
0: yeah, and that I would I remember you know, starting out as a practitioner, that that was really nerve wracking, you know, and um, what I would tell, thankfully, I had a friend who was kind of in the same place as me at the time. And we were both like, Okay, you know, we've had this corporate success. And now we're venturing into this whole other thing. And, and I would, you know, tell her there's there's somebody who doesn't know what you know, you know, they may know all about this. But there's something that you know that they don't know, and they will show up for you to to teach them. You know what you do know. You don't have to know. We had this whole thing like, oh my god, we have to know everything. You know how can we pretend to know anything if we don't know everything? And um, so I do find that to be true, and I tell people all the time like, as and I've noticed in myself too, like as I you know quote unquote level up or as I grow and change that the clients that come to me have different problems you know different things they're trying to address different ways the way that I work changes constantly I'm having to constantly change my ads my websites my all this stuff because as I'm continuing to do the work I'm learning and growing they are all you know a lot of times they're coming with issues that I've already had and so I can be that empathetic you know understanding person that genuine you know experience or role model for them and that specific area of their lives and so I do encourage people who aren't sure what they have to offer just saying you know you have something and somebody needs it and they'll find you
3: and I think for me um because especially early on when I started just truly seeking my own spiritual practice you know I always wanted that like that teacher that guru that could just really help me like go deep and like really get to like the root causes of things and like really just dive into spiritual work and stuff. And I remember just always feeling frustrated because I felt like I was hitting roadblocks constantly. And for me, um, now I realize it's because of the fact that I was my greatest teacher, and everything that I learned, yes, I picked some stuff up along the way in various training certifications, kind of like Priscilla with those things, um, because I was kind of in that soul-seeking type of thing in the beginning, too, where I just felt like I needed to have this certification and that certification and this, that, and the other thing. I have a ridiculous amount of certifications now, and I use, like, maybe 5% of it. Um, And so... When I started doing this work, my spiritual team started coming in and they started really coaching me on the deeper stuff. And the more I do it and the more I work on myself, the more I understand things in different perspectives. And I'm always learning. I don't feel like I'm a master at anything. I feel like I'm just a lifelong student that's always going to learn and evolve from something. Mm And now I'm weary of anyone that claims they do have all the answers. Very much. Because they're a guru. Yeah. And, you know, there is a certain level of mastery you can reach, but you should still always be learning, always be evolving and always working on yourself. Like, yes, I feel like I'm at a point of completion with my shadow, but it's it's just an onion. You know, you peel off one layer, there's another layer beneath and you you think you're good. And then all of a sudden something slaps you across the face. And then all of a sudden you're like, all right, back to shadow work. (laughs) And so it's almost like it just gives you a little bit of a break for a little while. Um, But you're always healing. You're always working on yourself. You're always learning. And I think that's the most important part of your spiritual development. Yeah, I think it's interesting how you guys were talking about all
1: the certifications that you can accrue over the years, and you know you could put those up on your wall, and your clients can see them and be impressed by them. But you, you really can't see how much shadow work somebody's done, right? them there's none, you know. There's no nothing to print out for that.
2: Well, you know, results speak for themselves. Yeah. So you can have as many pe- pieces of paper on your wall if you want. Um, but if you're not reaching your clients, then well, a lot of good all those pieces of paper did, you know, for that client. Uh, you know, you can, you can go see all the gurus you want. You can go uh, on all the soul journeys and and the, uh, you know, go to India and, and study with with those practitioners. That I'm not saying you're not going to learn anything. Uh, I, I think that's great if that's, you know, um, what you need and that's what you're going to do. That's great, but. At the end of the day, you can have you know, all those people and all those experiences. But if you're not doing the inner work, then you are going to be behind the curve every time.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's a lifelong journey. The inner work is a lifelong journey. And there's oftentimes that I find myself, I don't want to say getting re triggered, but, you know, thinking that I did. All the work that there is to be done in this one little piece of the shadow, and then noticing, oh wait, there's still something there.
0: <laughs> yeah, believe like, well, that it's an onion, and yeah, there's a lot of spiritual traditions that talk about the spiral, right? That it's mm-hmm. always a spiral, and mm-hmm. and that you do you re. There's no, I won't say no way. It seems improbable that you can handle and totally clear and heal everything at one point in your life. Right. Because you are healing and clearing that part of you base that trauma based on who you are that moment in your life. And it's a good two point. to five to ten to twenty to forty years from now, you will have had all of these other experiences, all of this other wisdom and you know you'll be able to see the world in a different way and that's what enables you to be triggered again by something and to go back and revisit it and to heal it even deeper you know maybe probably more profound way like as you as you learn and
2: grow too and if you could do that all at once that you would no longer be on this earth.
3: be no point of being on earth. Because, I mean, and that was exactly what I was just about to say is, you know, that's the whole point of karma yeah. is our karmic lessons. Mm-hmm. And our karmic lessons are here to help us evolve and help us grow as a spirit. And without it, why are we even here on earth? Because mm-hmm. earth is meant to be that. It's meant to be a place for teaching and understanding yourself and evolving and growing. So you can move on right i know my spirit's ready to move on this <laughs> so
2: it's, it's
3: we're done
2: that's your aspect that you <laughs> yeah. <to> work on. <laughs> if you think you still need to be here if you think you don't need to be here then <laughs> that's something you need to dive into and really address
3: but um and even just circling back to just practitioners and doing the work um I mean, even now, just with how much work that I've done, I'm now um, more um, cautious on, like, who I let work on me energetically just for that reason, because a lot of times... I'm working on them while they're working on me. And it's like, well, well that's not fair. I'm not even relaxing during this Reiki session because I'm Reikiing you while you're doing my Reiki. Like,
2: Maybe that's another shadow aspect It could you be due to us as well. You need to learn control again to receive. That is
3: so <laughs> calling me my aunt? Are you calling me my aunt? <laughs> Are you protecting? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, and, you know, I've gone from that idea of, for myself, I'm very type A, very much a perfectionist, right? So shadow work wasn't easy to go into, and particularly the the narrative a lot with, um, you know, some people in my household as I was growing up is they never took responsibility for anything, right? Like anything that they, that happened, they always could find another way to, like, deflect it off on somebody else, right? Usually me. <laughs> but uh, I found there was this really profound moment when I was, like, 20, 19 or 20. I was working in a restaurant. And I was hanging out with everybody much older than I always hung out with everybody way older than me at the time, and now... I'm, you know, hit 35 and now all my friends are way younger than me. So I'm on a good trajectory (laughs) there. (laughs) But uh, something happened. I did something really stupid and it was innocent. And I, you know, just not knowing because I was young and naive. And um, they called me on it, rightfully so. And I made all these excuses. And one of them just so caringly looked at me. This guy looked at me. He's like, do you hear yourself? Like, do you ever take responsibility for anything? And I mean, he was exasperated and, and, and all this stuff. And that was, I still remember that 20 years later, I was like, I'm so thankful for that moment, you know, where he wasn't trying to do me a favor. He was pissed. At me. <laughs> but He said it in a way that I could receive it in that moment, you know, because he didn't say it I, for some reason, my defenses weren't up. I felt terrible. I just was like, "Oh my gosh!" I had no idea. You know, I'd never been exposed to this stuff before. I didn't know what to do. And you can't,
2: uh, you can't respond to the lessons you aren't ready to hear. Yeah, and you were yeah, ready to hear that.
0: I was ready to hear it, and and that shifted so much. That that was the beginning of a lot of self reflection. Like, oh wait, I've been raised with these people. These are the ways that they handle things let me see how is how is the world reacting to them? And is that how I want them to react to me? You know, and, um, and so that was a big shift in how I related to people in so many levels, that one moment that I really, really remember, you know, other times have been a lot of identity stuff, like particularly around work, because, you know, that was something I've was really important to me when I was younger was my jobs what are my jobs that's who you know hi you know what's your name what do you do you know we have that common thing in our culture we get a lot of sense self of self (laughs) sense of (laughs) self-worth from what we do yeah it's part of our identity it's ingrained yeah yeah and so I've had you know times like through you know losing jobs you know whether it's never been something I did and got fired for but Things that have happened around the outside of the world, and you keep saying, "Well, why? Who am I if I don't have this job? What do I do next? What is you know?" It makes you question. When I was very young, you know, some break, the breakup of my family at at you know nine years old. I remember writing in my little journal as a nine year old, "My entire life is a lie." Definitely, I took that part, and so. And I have a lot of gaps in my memory from before then, because I was like, "Oh, well, my family isn't who I thought it was. And I literally can't remember so much of of the times before that, no matter how much soul truthr I've tried to do on that so far. It's not open to me yet. And so, like you said, it can start really young those those dark night of the soul. and and it's, through those, I've had, you know, relationship breakups that have really rocked my world. Like, do even when I was in a really spiritual place, right? Thinking, okay, this is, I thought everything was going this way and I was going in the right direction. And obviously, this isn't going to happen. Is there a God, you know? And yeah. is this, is there a higher power at all? What is the point of life? Like, these are all places where we can be afraid to be in and they feel also oh, gut-wrenchingly horrible <laughs> but um, something that I had heard and I had written down was you know the loss of that identity you go through uh, is a self-annihilation to redefine and recreate yourself and like what a great opportunity hmm. that is right to just self-annihilate all the things that I thought made me who I am, and validated who I was to myself, you know, because I thought, oh, yeah, I've got it all figured out. It's always when I got it all figured out, everything just goes, whoa, oh, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I've learned to stop doing that. <laughs> stop thinking I have it figured Don't out. Don't get too confident. Don't get too confident <laughs> or comfortable, yeah. You know, young, Especially in Sedona. <laughs>
2: young, young is really big on, on the death and rebirth.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I'm a Scorpio, too, so I get a whole... Whole lot of that, I'm sure, mm-hmm. but yes, I think there's probably been like at least six dark nights of the soul that I've had, you know, at 40 years old, and mm-hmm. I'm sure there'll be more to come. And but every time it's a little bit easier mm-hmm. because I'm like, oh yeah, I've done this before. Mm-hmm. Here, here, what what can I try this time, you know? And I know for the pandemic that caused a ton, like a global dark night of soul <laughs> yeah,
1: because a lot of people a lot of people's reality shifted yeah they lost their jobs they lost their livelihood they couldn't see their families so
0: yeah a lot i i imagine a lot of people went through a dark night of the soul or some sort of identity crisis yes well the, a lot imagine. of relationships you know all, a lot relationships changed and and stuff and people talk about all the time you know mm-hmm. for me that's when i started my business you know when i felt the call to 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 do something different and and I've flourished and grown through that process because I'm like oh yeah I, I know I know what's happening here <laughs> Like I've been here everything's been ripped away from me every I had a super comfy job and benefits and a set schedule and I was a new mom and had all this time with my baby and I was so comfortable <laughs> And so it's like, and eh, we have different plans. If yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know all that stuff you've done over the last 40 years? Well, now you need to put it to work. So here's the reason. And so, yeah, and now I'm flourishing in a completely different way. But you do have the choice to, you know, handle it differently once once you get comfortable with doing shadow work. Yeah, once think... you get comfortable with those big transitions and flowing in faith and trust. Yeah, you yeah. can get excited about it. Yeah.
2: yeah. You have to make room to receive yeah. And sometimes that's uh, a bigger action than you're prepared for. mm
3: mm-hmm. It just reminds me of that meme where it's all like, yeah, I no longer have control of my life. Or just like, oh, we're doing that now? Oh, okay. Yeah, and that's pretty much my life. It's we just, just do this now. Yeah, we just do this now. <laughs> and uh yeah. And I think it's very much like the tower, t- the tower tarot card. Yeah. You know, anytime I see that coming up in the deck, I'm like, ah, again, <laughs> like. And that's all about just starting over, starting from scratch again. At least for me, yeah,
2: for death, yeah, <laughs> and death is, yeah, it doesn't mean physical death or a death. It's a somebody, death and rebirth, yeah. Yeah, it's a death and rebirth of ideas or
3: or literally just your life
2: yeah
3: like half the time I don't even know how I'm doing it I'm just doing it like, and I just go with the flow and I'm like YOLO okay we're good let's keep going <laughs> exactly <laughs> but does anyone else have anything else they want to add in
1: so just I just want to reiterate to practice self love yeah. and compassion for yourself as you're going through this journey because it's not easy and you don't need to make it harder on yourself yeah by being mean to yourself or you know having more shame about your shadow aspects because that's what led to shadow aspects in the first place so don't get discouraged and like priscilla said it gets easier those dark nights of the soul you just kind of buckle down and Take them as they come, and they get easier and easier.
2: And and nobody has all the answers. Yeah. No.
1: Don't look remember, for a guru.
2: Yeah. Remember, well, I mean, you can you can find wisdom. You can find yeah. wisdom in others. Um. But yeah, no, no one, no one person or ideal or entity has everything that you're looking for, and to dive deep into yourself. Will find uh, greater rewards than seeking externally.
0: Yeah, there's there's so much freedom in in self acceptance and self love. There really is, and I remember you know people. I ha- there's so much, especially as women, we hear about self love all the time, and I can remember being so frustrated with that concept, like. Yeah, I do love myself. Like I have one of my mentors. She does. She's been a reader for forty plus years, and one of the things she'll say, okay, you know, before she does a reading, is your name is this, your date of birth is this, and you're having this reading of your own free will. Yes, okay. And do you love yourself? And my answer is always different. You know, some in the beginning, I used to be. Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying so hard, you know, <laughs> sometimes it's, you know, and, um, but I always found that interesting to be something that she, she felt she needed to include, you know, before every single reading she gives. And um, you just, it does kind of, the idea of self-love does get kind of shoved down your throat a lot. And the, there's a practice that I was given um probably you know 10 or 15 years ago that the Tibetan, I believe it's Tibetan way of approaching that self-love is to hold those parts of you or holding yourself, imagining it in your hand just like it was the head of a newborn baby, you know? And I jokingly tell my clients now, to kind of break the tension, I'm like it's really hard to be a dick to a newborn baby. and they're like, they're like, that's my takeaway. Well does Okay, it's just really hard to be a dick. Take- like, you know, I had a nephew. Uh, at the time I was learning this, I had a nephew who was like two or three years old, and I would say, okay, Priscilla, the way my self talk was so toxic, and I would say, what would I tell you know my my baby nephew? Hmm. And would I say this to him? No way I would say this to him. There's no way I would even think this about him. You know, like, why am I not giving that to myself is basically the idea. And so doing that, like imagining talking to yourself like a tiny baby, because that is who you're talking to when you're talking to your traumas. You know, you're talking to those younger versions of yourself. So how would you talk to them if they were your own child or a child that you care deeply about, you know, or some newborn baby that you don't even know? But it's just that idea of being so delicate and careful and, you know, so respectful and compassionate. That's what compassionate love should feel like.
2: Or if you take that to the the polarity experiment, um, you know, take whatever aspect you're talking to yourself and and those words and find their polarities and then, you know, sit with that for a while and see where that, um, wh- where that scale actually makes sense. Um, and I do that a lot. Sometimes it helps. Not always.
0: <laughs> so you're saying like taking the negative thing that you're saying, find the polar opposite
2: yep. of it. Find and play yeah, and see where that is actually logical. Yeah, you know, sometimes it is, sometimes it's not.
0: Yeah,
3: and I think also it's important just to remind yourself that it's okay to not be okay. And, um, you know, let yourself be with your emotions and honor them where they're at. We don't need to be perfect all the time. We don't need to have all the answers. We don't need to beat ourselves up for not being exactly who we think we should be, but also keep in mind there's going to be a point in time where you need to get back up, and you need to keep moving forward, and so not to get stuck in it.
2: Welcome to Earth School.
3: (laughs) Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you for tuning in.
2: Thank you. Peace.
1: All of the information shared on this podcast is for educational purposes only, based on personal experience. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any form of mental or physical illness. Please consult a medical professional before using any advice given during this podcast. Thank you, and bless it be.